Welcome to a new episode of Tales from the Seas of Floor. I am Domiziana, your host for this episode, and today I'm joined by a very special guest who will tell us a bit more about the art of storytelling. As LinkedIn bio reads, an experienced pre-sales engineer, manager, coach and mentor who's passionate about finding the opportunities hidden in the unseen relationship between things. He has joined Cisco through the CESA program, and along the way, he had his own spin-off company about connected vehicles. And this was before connected vehicles were even cool. He is indeed passionate about storytelling. Welcome to Sam Tondaka. Thank you very much, Domi. It's Thanks a pleasure for to be being here. here. Thanks for being here. So, Sam, since we're on the topic of storytelling, what's your story? So my story is a little bit fate. I actually had gotten an invite to an assessment center for a company called Unilever, which everyone knows, everyone knows it. And we went through a very similar assessment center to that that Cisco had done in even the same brand of hotel chain. And I actually was not successful in that one. And I was, I was pretty bummed about it, I have to say. But a couple of months later, I actually got through a colleague of mine invited to apply for CSAP because he knew somebody who knew somebody who had come to Amsterdam and I applied and there were a long series of very fortunate events and basically in the end I went to an assessment center at the same chain of hotel went through very similar activities and basically I had a dry run and I was very successful the second time around and me personally as much as I think very highly of Unilever I feel like I got the better end of that deal and definitely ended up in a good place since you've been here in the company like for so long now I different indeed. roles indeed great to hear so today we're talking about storytelling mm-hmm. um and i know you're passionate about it so i'm looking forward to learning a bit more from you why is storytelling so important especially in the corporate world the world we live in today is we think very transparent and open but i'll put it to you Domi, that basically the world that we live in is very opaque you know, we are flooded okay. with disinformation. You know, ha- hashtag fake news has been the dominant news item for the last, what, four years, right? We all know where that started. And the art of telling a good story is to be a clear communicator and to plant the seed of truth and the search for the seed of truth in someone's mind, leave it behind and let it grow. Right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing about telling a good story is that you are able to cut through all of the noise and most importantly, leave a clear call to action. So in today's opaque world with lots of fake news, if you wanna do good and do the right thing, you have to inspire people and telling stories is a way to inspire people. Okay, so you mentioned that first of all, you have to plant the seed of truth in Mm -hmm. the story. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? There are a couple of ways to do that. And I personally have a tried and trusted way, which is based on uh, the philosophy and I guess the psychology of Carl Jung. And there's a very good book, which I've read and then attended a couple of trainings about, and it's called The Seven Basic Plots. The Seven Basic Plots essentially talks about the fact that we as human beings have evolved over a couple hundred thousand years as homo sapiens to become the most dominant type of human being on the planet. And along the way, we've only had writing for about 9,000 of those years. Mm -hmm. So how do you think we actually communicated with each other and translated ideas from generation to generation? Talking. We told stories. Yes. That's right. So I firmly believe, and there's scientific evidence to back it up, it's not definitive, but it's there, 
that our brains are hardwired to receive stories in a very particular way, actually seven of them. And what you have to think about is that from a story point of view, there's only one way to tell that story and seven ways to put the characters around it okay. so that your brain remembers it. Wow. So what you're saying is that it's both in the, in the power of the storyteller, but also in the audience, That's like it. how they receive it, right? Exactly. So how, as a, as a storyteller, how do you make sure that you know what's right for the audience that you're going to address? What I try to do is to understand people, right? Because mm. you're in sales, you're starting out in your journey. I've been in sales for a long time. Plus, I come from a technical background, right? And you have different tools available to you to analyze people. Because in the end, people buy from people and people sell to people. Absolutely. Right? And you and I have briefly discussed it. But the reason online reviews are so powerful is because nobody would buy a product unless they feel like it gives them some status that is validated by their peers. So yeah. what I try to do to understand an audience is to use tools like linked up profile, listen to the words people say, do a little bit of a meet and greet before you speak to people in an, in an audience, look at their LinkedIn bio, right? And also understand their body language and how they come across and adjust your story in real time as you are telling it. It's almost like a science, right? It is There's indeed. like a lot of psychology behind it. It is indeed. Yeah. What are other elements of like psychology that we can use to improve our stories, improve our sellings? I really like to refer back to uh, one of my favorite authors. He's a Japanese-British author by the name of Michio Kaku. So Michio Kaku, when he was 15, he mm -hmm. actually took his mother to the hardware store and said, I would like to build a particle accelerator, a little small version of the one they have in CERN, okay. in his basement. And he needed wow. 4,000 pounds to do it. When he was 15. When he was 15. He wanted to do a 4,000 pounds uh, project. Yes, in his basement, which he did. He built it. There was no YouTube at the time, right? He literally had to design exactly, it from scratch. Exactly. And he took out all the power on the block. But it worked. Perfect. Right? Sounds so great. Probably can... the neighbors were super happy about it. Exactly. And this guy has gone on to be a popular science writer. He's a theoretical physicist, but mm -hmm. he also delves into multiple other scientific backgrounds. And one of the things he talks about is um, the most fabulously complicated thing that we can see in the night sky is not the stars, it's not the sun, it's not the galaxy, it's actually our own mind. And, and that's why I was inspired to read his book. And he yeah. talks about a lot of the neuroscience that uh -huh. is in our brains. And we have 100 billion neurons, give or take, right? Yeah. It's a little bit different. And those things are connected thousands of times. So we have to learn how to understand people from a neuroscience point of view, in addition to be able to talk to them from a storytelling point of view. Yeah. And if you look at all the psychological things I've mentioned before, those are the effects of neuroscience. So I try to teach myself a little bit about neuroscience to answer your question. Finally. Yes. No, I get it. So it's like a mix between science psychology emotions exactly. almost also gut feeling like That's how right. do you what's the component of gut feeling that you put in your stories it's interesting because gut feeling is years and years and years 
of your brain learning certain things. True. Right? So when you say gut feeling, I, I'm looking at you and we're trying to figure out how we tell our story in an effective way. Mm-hmm. So my gut feeling is telling me to say X and Y. And that's been learned over many different ways of telling stories. Yes. Right? So fascinating. What sparked your interest in storytelling? I have always been a natural storyteller, probably since I was a kid, because I loved reading. So wow. you, people who tend to love reading uh, tend to love telling stories. What's the first book you, you read? Oh, you know, I actually remember this. <laughs> it's a good I actually do remember mine. It was <laughs> Harry Potter. It was the years when everyone was going crazy about Harry Potter. And that was the first book I read. What I, um, I remember reading, it's also quite cute. It was a little cartoon book mm-hmm. and it was called... I can't remember the girl's name, but it was a little blonde girl with blue eyes who had to go to hospital to take her tonsils out. Uh-huh. And um, I had been given this book because when I was little, really little, I had to go to hospital for the first time ever okay. to have an operation. And she had like a little fluffy penguin with her, like a toy penguin. So and she took it with her to the hospital. <laughs> so I had a little like stuffed animal that I took with me to the hospital. And cute it shows you the power of having a, st- a good story because it makes you feel like you're not alone. Yes. It's hardwired into our brains, right? That's great. You mentioned at the beginning that there are a few elements that makes the story powerful. What are the key things that we should keep in mind when we tell a story mm-hmm. in order to grab the attention of your audience and to make sure that our story lands? Let's start at the beginning of every story. If you look at the beginning of every story, and I'll take Harry Potter as an example, because okay, we've talked great. about it, there is something called the anticipation stage. So Harry Potter was stuck with his foster parents, not very happy, and what he really wanted was a way to break out of that life. And that took him very neatly to the dream stage, where he literally had his dreams come true, and he was going to Hogwarts, magical train, magical castle, literal magic, right? So it was really like a daydream. And he had some success in class because he figured out that he's a special guy. He went from being nothing, zero, to hero. And everybody thought, oh, there's Harry Potter. And he didn't know why. And the the next stage is the frustration stage, red thread of any story. And that frustration stage was he figured out, yes, he was good at the beginning. He had a natural gift for it. But he struggled with being in this Hogwarts environment, making friends, figuring out the classes, passing his exams, just like any kid, you want social validation. The next stage is the nightmare stage. And I don't have to tell you, it was he who shall not be named, who is the antagonist, the nightmare, living nightmare. And Harry sees him coming. He knows he has this battle coming. And when they do actually fight, Harry is almost beaten. He's literally at the depths of despair. And at the end of it, he figures out how to make the Philosopher's Stone work to his advantage. And what he does, he doesn't fully defeat Voldemort, but he does for chapter one of the story. So there's this battle, protagonist overcomes antagonist, gets to the resolution phase, the last part of the red thread in chapter one. And the resolution phase is where he has overcome the odds, he goes home, back to his normal life, but being changed in some way, And the call to action being that this story is not over. There is a chapter two coming. Voldemort is not dead. Stay tuned. (laughs) That's how you tell the meta plot as you want to talk about it, the red thread behind any good story. And if you're in the technology world, 
bridging back to what mm-hmm. we are doing right now, when you're standing in front of an audience, you have to decide at the end, do you want them to be inspired? Do you want them to feel fear? Because that's a very powerful motivator. Yeah. Do you want them to feel confused and show them the way out of this confusion? Mm-hmm. Do you want them to know the truth? And in the way of knowing the truth, is that what you want to inspire them to do, to search for more truth? It's very powerful. Yes. So in the technology world, as you defined it, you moved uh, into different roles uh, as your career progressed. How did your storytelling change? How did it evolved? And um, if you used it for different reasons in different roles? What I would say to people is that storytelling and learning to communicate and psychology and neuroscience is not something that you can do overnight. Mm-hmm. So the trick to it is to understand what you're good at in your current role, play to those strengths as a storyteller, and base it on what you have to achieve. So you're going to be an account manager soon. Yes, hopefully. What, <laughs> hopefully, all in your hands. And one of the most powerful things you can do is to tie the business benefits of everything you are going to sell to the technology itself. So you're going to not just say, I'm going to sell Wi-Fi, I'm going to enable my retail customers to be able to offer a differentiated experience and thereby stop Amazon from swallowing them up whole, mm-hmm. as an example. And as you progress in your life and maybe you become a senior account manager, a manager of account managers, your stories have to instead make sense of a very confusing world to the people that follow you. And as you progress to become more senior, what you have to do, you will have to make sense of data and tell the story around data because there's not always going to be somebody who can tell you like on YouTube, do this and that's going to happen. You have to look at all the different data sources, which I do today, and I come up with a technology strategy based on that and I have to guess what the outcomes of that are going to be. Are we going to sell more Wi-Fi 6? Are we going to sell more switches? Are we going to stop the losses to competitors? So as you're mentioning, uh, storytelling is about your version of something, like the storyteller version of something. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, you were talking about also uh, fake news and the way storytelling can be used in negative ways. Mm -hmm. So from the audience perspective, how can we make sure that um, we listen to the story, but then we take out of it what it's true question for the ages dummy tough questions that is a tough, tough question. questions and only I, I appreciate that <laughs> and i what i try to do i can only tell you what i try to do mm-hmm. is the following i read a lot i listen to a lot and i listen to advice from many many different types of people and i try to look for the on average common themes because you'll be surprised how powerful it is to ask a hundred people the question and if 90% of them give the same answer you'll be surprised how close the answer is to the truth and that's been proven multiple times Mm -hmm. right and the other thing is you have to listen to multiple people's opinions make up your own opinion and one more thing I've learned over time is that advice is free you can take advice from anybody but only believe in the people who you would want to trade places with. This is very interesting. 
Who do you look up um, to as exceptional storytellers? Michio Kaku's I really find to yeah. say very complicated things in a very simple way. So I encourage everybody, he has a show on BBC, on YouTube, to go and follow him and watch some of the things he talks about. The other people who are very gifted are people who have literally studied the original batch of very good storytellers all the way back from ancient Babylon to ancient Greece to ancient Rome. And some of these people uh, who we know today are, for example, Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Of course, Bobby Kennedy, yeah. John F. Kennedy. JFK actually studied a lot of the Roman senators before he wrote things and wrote his speeches. And you'd be surprised that a lot of the speeches that he made were actually his own words. He would write them down by himself, not like many other presidents afterwards, just like Barack did. And a couple of other very good storytellers, let's not forget some of the novelists, um, <clears throat> Enid Blyton, <laughs> okay. right? It's important because it's hard to take big themes and translate them down into ways that children can understand and help them, the, help them to understand the power of a good story. How do you explain tough concepts in a way that children can understand? Because I think this is very relevant, especially in the world of technology. Mm -hmm. Technology is complex. Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that people understand it and are not scared mm -hmm. by it? You appeal to very strong themes of right and wrong in your story. You tend to get a very much more positive response, even in an audience who are essentially children. So if you want to explain something like data center to your audience or the yes. cloud <laughs> and your audience are maybe CIOs who are not that technical who came from a financial background mm -hmm. and what we you have to try to do is you have to say things in a way that's right and wrong and show them the call to action hey what do I want you to do out of this presentation what do I want you to do at the end of a JK Rowling book and this is something I find personally like very tough to to do because even if I'm not from a technical background, mm -hmm. I got into the subject, I got into the technical part, and mm -hmm. now it's so hard to explain things in a non-technical way. That's right. So definitely, this is a very interesting personal development thing that I feel like we all have to learn. So you mentioned before that uh, to become a better storyteller, reading is a first step yes. toward it. But what is it something that people commonly get wrong about storytelling? they try to make the story all about themselves. Hmm. I think that is the most critical, fundamental mistake that everybody makes in that we tend to live in a very self-obsessed, self self-centered world because social media naturally places you at the center of your own world. And social media is pervasive, right? Mm -hmm. In our daily lives, it's not going anywhere. What I would encourage yourself to do to become a better storyteller is again to take it back to your audience and what their world is like because if you can tell the story that they can relate to very quickly mm -hmm. then you're going to break down all those barriers and you're going to go straight to the emotional part of their brain and that's really going to make an impact that's the strongest impact absolutely absolutely so they're still going to have like a component of yourself but not too self-centered because otherwise it becomes too specific on you, so less relatable, right? Right. Building up from what people usually get wrong, mm -hmm. what is a tip you feel like uh, giving to people that are training the art of storytelling, like myself, mm -hmm. uh, in order to become a better storyteller from tomorrow? 
So there are a couple of tips which I know have worked for me personally. The first is it's practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an old saying. You know how you get to Carnegie Hall, right? Yeah. It's by practicing. Practice and make perfect. Exactly, and don't be too hard on yourself if you don't get it right at first. I've had many years to practice this, and I'm not perfect. Nowhere near perfect. What I would do is I would literally practice the first five minutes and the last five minutes of any presentation pitch story I was telling to myself in the mirror. Okay. For many years, that's what I. I don't have to do it now, mm-hmm. but that's how I started. Mm-hmm. The second thing is I would heavily recommend reading the science behind storytelling. So the seven basic plots, whether you believe it fully or not, right? It's Jungian psychology. It's not for everybody. However, you start like you. You start to see the common thread in all different stories, so you understand it. And lastly, what I really would recommend is that you learn how to talk in metaphors. Like you said, technology for technology's sake, Wi-Fi is just Wi-Fi. If you say enabler for businesses, enabler for value-added services instead of Wi-Fi, and you give a strong metaphor, mm-hmm. that really helps. It's about giving people a vision, right? Right. You have to connect to the emotional part of their brain. You know Wi-Fi. Maybe they don't. Yeah. Sun, thank you very much for being with us today. You gave me and people that will listen to this a lot of insight, valuable insights about storytelling. And I hope you enjoyed it. I did indeed. Tony, <laughs> it was a real pleasure to be here and thank you for inviting me. And thank you everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.